Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good game day eve. It is a Friday. It's Sandos and the sidekick getting you ready for ETSU football versus VMI. And a lot to unpack today as we start to break down the game between the Keydecks and the Bucks. Austin Herrick will stop by as well. Four downs and bold predictions. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. More failure finally. coming my way. Finally yeah. winning. I'm just not liking how things Feels good. started. Feels no, good. I'm happy for you. All right, what are we talking about? All right, ETSU, VMI, a game that clearly last year, uh, fair to say, not the cleanest of football games played. But ETSU survived 27-24, four six turnovers, eight sacks, 28 yards, negative rushing for VMI on the day. Kick return for t- or a punt return for a touchdown. Huge kick returns in the game for ETSU. So a lot of positives there. Offense just enough to win the game 27-24, but a little bit different Keydet-looking squad this year. Yeah, no question. Uh, there were two offensive touchdowns for ETSU last year. The punt return from Quan Harrison, the first, I believe you said, since 1997 Seven. for the Bucs. Uh, five interceptions, eight sacks, 13 penalties. I mean, it was full of ups and downs. And talking with head coach Scott Wackenheim from VMI in a conversation that can be heard during the pregame show, 6 p.m. is one that starts in the Buccaneer Sports Network on Saturday night for a 7.30 kickoff. He basically Plug. said... Love the cheap plug. Mm. The cheap plug is great. Mm. Uh, he basically said that they felt a bit the same way that ETSU felt after that game. It was there for the taking. There were way too many mistakes. They feel like that kind of set the tone for their season. Ended up losing six games by ten points or less in the conference. ETSU ended up winning, of course, six by three points or less. And Reese Udinsky is a guy that really last year came into his own. He wasn't a full-time starter in his first season, but in his sophomore year, 3,082 yards. That is a VMI single-season record. First ever to pass 3,000 yards for the Keydets. Record holder in completions, attempts, total plays, and tie the season mark for TD passes in a season two. Also, single-game records in passing yards, 491 against Western. Finished the year with three 400-plus yard passing games and surpassed 305 times. And it's scary to think, Jay, that everyone says, and Scott Wackenheim said this just like Randy Sanders did, just like Austin Herrick is going to a bit later, that Reese Udinsky is that much better with Javion Lara, Rohan Martin, and Alex Ramsey back. All all those guys back, you throw in a new name in Leroy Thomas, true freshman. He's able to make some big plays as well. Uh, Tyron Smith is another guy, a a tailback, that's gotten some key action as a junior. I think the big thing, you look at uh, Udinsky, and he's played against ETSU a couple of games. Uh, He started... um, as a freshman against you disc uh, against the Bucks, and then of course last year a sophomore, he's 41 of 87, 
It's 47% completion percentage, 410 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions. But if you really start to look uh, at his games, really about two after ETSU, the number of interceptions dropped dramatically, and he hasn't thrown one this year. He's really started to be comfortable, figured out. The other thing is I think the commitment to the run game for VMI has certainly seemed to help teams not be able to pin their ears back and just and just go try to hit Udinsky. Yeah, 123 yards per game. That's 246 on the year. Last year, only 687 net rushing yards throughout the season, so they're already well on pace to break that. Alex Ramsey, redshirt junior running back, he was second on the team in rushing last year with 317 yards, leading the team this year, and he already has more receiving yards this year than last year. He had 18 catches for 64 yards last season, Four catches for 98 this year. I'm very interested to see how Scott Wackenheim in that offense uh, uses Ramsey and employs him against the Bucks. Really, I think Coach Wackenheim said it well and shed a little bit of light on Udinsky's improvement. Not only is it his second year in this current offense that they're running, knows where to go with the ball, student of the game, yada, yada, yada. But he also said that there were a couple of younger quarterbacks that were brought in during the offseason in the recruiting class. And Reese has to now act a little bit like a mentor, a teacher, and Coach Wackenheim thinks that because he has to do that, it helps him gain a deeper understanding of the offense, maybe study a few things and uh, explain a few things in different ways and really get more in touch with himself as a quarterback. Changing over to the current offense that they had, they had 88 points in 2017, but going to that new offense tripled their output last year, 257 points, their most since 2014. And this year, of course, they played Marshall and Mars Hill. We don't know much about who they'll end up being during the year, but the earlier turns are also solid with turnovers way down. Turnovers are way down. I think you look at, uh, you know, just the way they play offense. You can always throw out sort of time of possession. But the last two years prior to this year, minus 20 in the turnover category, minus 13 last year, already plus five. And I know a lot of people say, well, one of those games, Mars Hill, turnover, but that's fine. But they also won the turnover battle versus Marshall as well. So uh, that's if Reese Udinsky and the rest of the squad's hanging on to the football this year, and specifically him not throwing it to the wrong color jersey or having tip balls go to the wrong color jersey, and his defense is able to force some turnovers. You know, they lost a lot of tight games. I think five, at least four or five games that were a one-score difference, which is about what ETSU did except the flip. ETSU won all those games. VMI did not. Well, think about if they weren't negative 13 in the turnover category, including ETSU's game, you're probably turning at least three or four of those wins, if not all of them, into possible Ws. So it's not only the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball creating those turnovers. And as you said, Marshall, Mars Hill, it's tough to know what a team will be, and I mentioned that too. But when you're winning the turnover battle, it doesn't seem like a mirage that you're winning it in both games. It seems like more of a trend. And Coach Wackenheim told me that a lot of that is because the defensive style of how they wanted to play has changed a lot coming into this year. Preaching, being more proactive, going after the ball, not just making a tackle and having the play be done. Go and try to rip the ball out. Go and get the rock because you're not out there just to stop the other team. You're out there to get the ball back as well. And he pointed out a few players, junior A.J. Smith, a three-year starter, senior Caleb Tucker. Uh, each of them have two interceptions this year. Will Bunton, by the way, who had a pick against actually ETSU last year as well, has the other interception of their five. He's confident that the players uh, that have seven years of experience in the starting lineup and Smith and Tucker are going to lead this defense with experience. 
Well, I, I just want to touch on the other cornerback plays opposite Tucker's Reek Troutman. We've seen him for three straight seasons, so I know he doesn't, and he's a lockdown guy. So he doesn't. They usually people throw away from him, which has allowed Tucker to get the interceptions. But throw Tucker and Smith into what you're talking about with Troutman, and certainly it's a very dangerous second. Well, and then the scary thing is we haven't even named the one person that Coach Walkenheim made sure to call out in our talk, and that's strong safety, the freshman Josh Surratt, true freshman that's come in, and he says he's really energized the defensive backfield. He's got three pass breakups. A.J. Smith has that as well, but really was high on Josh Surratt. So a very strong defensive backfield, which could make it tough on Trey Mitchell and the wideouts, as well as Nate Atkins, who we've all been high on this week, certainly the coaching staff yourself, and as we've looked at what he's been able to do with a touchdown in each game, maybe someone ETSU will rely on more. There's a lot of experience back there, but also some young energy, which which could cause some problems. You know, it is interesting to see when I was reading the – um, just the write-ups and went to the stat sheets and all that. It was all guys I recognize, and usually I, I don't like that. I like to see some names. I'm like, ah, I don't really remember that guy being on my chart or knowing who he is, and, and certainly the, the Tuckers and uh, Buntings and Troutman just seems to be like he's been there forever. And, of course, you know, they got a couple defense alignment as well. Uh, Jared Richmond, Jonathan Ward been around. They got a true freshman at nose guard. That's probably a little concern, I'm sure, for VMI maybe – uh, ETSU can find some success really in between the guards. You know, sometimes they say between the tackles, maybe shorten that up, maybe right there in between the guards. And they've got a lot of guys, again, that saw some action at linebacker. Elliot Brewster's been around. Uh, Tyron Cloyd's been around. Uh, Cam- uh, Connor Riddle is a backup, but he's also been the long snapper. So he's been, so, uh, you know, Ethan Castleberry's brother played there. He's got, you know, lineage at that position. So VMI. The one thing you know they're going to do, being a military institution school, they're going to play every play. You very rarely ever play any of the schools and there's a playoff or they don't play it through. And and I know a lot of times teams are a little upset because maybe it's a 40-point game and those guys are still battling, but that's that's sort of the training, right? That's that's It's embedded in them. That's what you have to do to be a soldier, and that's, that's they kind of carry that over. So uh, I think the defense could be a huge – bright spot for vmi and if the offense isn't putting that defense in some horrific situations certainly this could be a huge turnaround for vmi the one thing and i'm sure we'll get to in a second that has been a struggle has been the special teams they've really struggled for the last three years and field goal kicking punting um having kicks blocked coverages they've given up the most i think punt kick returns for a touchdown in the league the last couple years and, uh, you know, they've got a couple guys, Reed King. So, it's interesting. Senior kicker Garrett Clemens kicked against ETSU in 2017 in Green Stadium. Did not kick against the Bucks last year. Reed King was the field goal kicker. Now, Reed King is the punter. And Garrett uh, Grant, uh, Grant Clemens is back as being the field goal kicker. And for his career, just 9 of 17, 53% from field goals. And he's 25 of 30 on extra points. He's had five minutes extra points in his career. Special teams-wise, what worries me is Rohan Martin, who I talked about as the number two receiver and, of course, forms that duo with Javion Lara, who are two of the top three in receiving last year and the top two receivers this year, 10 catches apiece. But Rohan Martin only played eight games last year, but he was still second-team all-conference specialist, and he averaged 15.9 yards per return on punt returns. Now, there hasn't been a punt return so far this year for VMI, so I'm sure Martin, should he still be back there, and I absolutely imagine as a second-team all-conference specialist that he will be, that you are going to see someone rearing to go and trying to get back on track in that 
part of the game, and it worries me because ETSU has drawn the ire of Coach Sanders so often with penalties, mistakes, uh, blown assignments, setting guys loose, whether it be on the punt return or on punt coverage. So when you have an explosive guy back there like Martin, I'm certainly not sleeping on the fact that the game could change in that area. I thought it was interesting to hear Coach Sanders and Austin Herrick. You'll hear from him in a bit as well. They talked about watching tape after last year's game, and Randy said he cried. Now, I don't know if that was hyperbole or it was the truth. It's sometimes it's hard to tell with Coach Sanders, but uh, he cried. And Austin Herrick, as you'll hear in just a bit, said, look, on the bus ride back, we were kind of worried that this season could spiral out of control. And we're talking about the 2018 season that ended up, of course, in a conference championship. But after that game, ETSU did not think they had proven anything, did not think they had played well, thought that things could go the exact opposite of how they did. Now, they very well could have, winning so many tight games, but... As Coach Sanders said the other day, the line between winning and losing is very thin, and I believe Mike Rader in our coordinator conversation said that as well. So last year was a tone setter. I think this year is going to be a tone setter. I think the game can change on special teams. Certainly ETSU changed it on defense last year. Reese Udinsky has the ability to change it in the passing game for VMI. I think what ETSU does offensively, I don't know what you think about this, but Coach Rader in your conversation with him earlier today, as a matter of fact, he said that he wants this offense to be a pro style. They want it to start with the running game. They want to be able to open up everything else with Quay Holmes and Jacob Saylor's picking up big chunks or at least establishing themselves on the ground. I think that's the way to go, definitely knowing the defensive backfield of VMI this week and considering what ETSU's strengths are. I think you get 30, 40, I don't know about 50, but you're certainly deep into double digits in carries for Quay Holmes and Jacob Saylor's combined. Absolutely, I, I, all of that. I, I think you know everything's got to start with that. Got to build. I don't, you know, ETSU with Coach Sanders. I, you know, he's kind of hinted at it that if it was up to him, that they may be throwing uh, deep balls left and right, given the right personnel. Hasn't had the personnel yet. Hasn't been able to bring it in. Has been a right fine. Hasn't found. I don't know. If, and it's not just quarterback, right? It's easy to say, well, it's quarterback. I mean, remember when you got your line is give you the protection quarterback has to be able to deliver it you certainly have to have receivers that can run by people but you have to threaten enough uh run game that that they have to respect that that's what you're going to do you know without special teams play last game i I don't know really that etsu even beats vmi and i'm not just talking the punt return but there were two huge quay holmes kickoff returns that set up one i think was 69 yards by quay holmes that set up a score to answer a quick VMI touchdown and kept the Bucks in it. So there's a there's some things with Rohan Martin that certainly scares you. Teams have kicked away from him so far. He's got zero uh, punt returns. I think he's got a fair catch or two, but he's he's yet to actually have a, an actual attempt at a punt return. I think the ground and pound for ETSU is going to be what you will see and then play action. I think it's going to be – I think Coach Rader, and you'll hear it Saturday on the pregame show, but that pro style – uh, you know, we're going to hand it off, we're going to hand it off, we're going to play action, you know, we're going to throw the tight end, we're going to, you know, hit people out in the flats, we're going to, you know, the, the just catching the shotgun, sit back and wait, sort of what you'll see at VMI, certainly not not the way that game's going to play out. But for ETSU, you know, you'd have to be a little concerned with the way that secondary and especially early the way they are able to ball hawk. I mean, you're still talking about Trey Mitchell trying to find his way in this offense. Uh, we've still in two games yet to have a quarterback complete a game, and so you have to be a little bit concerned about that. So I think it's going to be 
a steady diet of Quay Holmes and Jacob Saylor's one-two punch uh, and control the clock, keep that uh, their offense off the field as much as possible. And, again, I think he, it, it, the game plan Billy Taylor said, uh, and I don't I think uh, – actually, I think he said this to me off here before we start recording, but you couldn't have scripted a better first, you know, three series – defense force two three and outs and held on a fourth and one you know an offense scored all three possessions and granted one was a field goal he'd rather see a touchdown but you still had 17 points on the first three possessions I think if ETSU can come out and sort of establish that in the first quarter there is a little bit of a, maybe an uh-oh for VMI like man we've seen this before right but you know the one thing is high-powered offense are going to throw it around they certainly won't be out of a game in the first quarter but if ETSU could establish the run get some of that defensive pressure up front and the big thing is you don't necessarily have to and I know you had eight sacks you don't have to do that every time against Udinsky you just have to have him deliver the football before he's ready to throw the football and then that's where all the trouble comes from can you name the last time BMI won a road game Oh, last time they won a – I was going to say last time they beat ETSU. I did know that one. What's that? Uh, 2001. Been a while. It's also been a while since they've won a road game. Uh, now, that was on the road. They did beat ETSU in 2016, the first year back in the, the league. That was at Lexington, though. Um, well, the last time they won on the road, conference overall. game. Or overall. Overall. Last time they won overall. Conference game would be longer. I'm just going overall. Oof, long as uh, – I'm going to go the twenty, the 2015 season. 2016, mm. and it was actually two wins at Moorhead State, 17-13 to 13 on Saturday, September 10th, and two weeks later after their bye week, Bucknell triple overtime, 23-17. Mm. to 17. Uh, You'd have to br- dig, I think, a little dip, bit deeper in the archives to find the last conference road win. But either way, you can tell by that stat, it's a mountain of a task for VMI to go on the road. And I believe ETSU – in their win against VMI last year, that was only their second road win since football had been back. Is that correct? For, that was the first conference road win but the and second, second road, road win. win. Yeah. Yes, correct. Second road win, but it was the first conference win, uh, road win since Western Carolina in 2002. Tough for either of these teams to go on the road. I'm happy the Bucks are at home, needless to say. Yeah, start season off right, or at least you hope you can. And again, it should help. Trey Mitchell, some of the other guys, get things going. So uh, the series, ETSU leads fifteen to nine, and the uh, Bucks actually can even up the series. In uh, uh, I'm sorry, that was in Lexington. Uh, e- uh, ETSU holds a nine-two advantage uh, in Johnson City, trying to make that ten to two. So that's a look at that. Austin Herrick on the other side with Mike Gallagher. No, four down. Four down. You are so turned around. When is Austin showing up? He's so lazy. Wow. Is he still on the broadcast? I'm not sure anyone's uh, actually ever said that about Austin Harry. Lazy? Call him plenty of things. Probably not well, lazy, though. Well, let's, let's see how big a man you are if you'll call him lazy during your interview. I will not. Okay, there we go. All right, four downs. We'll talk about it after this time out from Sano Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. One, two, three, four. 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 One, two,
four. Four. Four down. Four down. Four down. Four. Four. How many? Four down. A very festive. Four down. How many? One, two, three, four. Four down. Okay, Brittany. You ready? You're down? You're down? Okay. First down. First down. Sam Darnold has mono. Le'Veon Bell had an MRI on his shoulder yesterday. <laughs> Quincy Anunua is out Woo, for the year. Demarius Thomas is out this week. The schedule for the Jets coming up. Browns at home. At the Patriots. Then the bye. So at least they don't lose that week. At the Eagles. Home to the Cowboys. Home to the Patriots. How in the world do the Jets manage even one win out of that unless you think the Browns are total frauds this coming week or if you think Trevor Simeon is about to go on his redemption tour? I... You there? They Are do there? not. Hello? They 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 do not win. This is the best chance for them to win against the Browns. I think catch the Browns before they figure it out. They have zero. What, what week is that? Like eight? It'll be zero and seven. I mean, I think they're assuming on the high end with this question, and by they I mean me. Uh, but the tweet about the schedule is from I think Rappaport or whoever. I think they're assuming that on the high end, Mono keeps you out six weeks. It probably won't be that long. I think it's more two to four usually. But I think that was the assumption. You have the five matchups plus the bye week for six. Oh, my goodness. Yes. No, I, I don't – unless – yeah, I don't think they do. All right, uh, good talk. Great breakdown yeah. by you. Second mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. You love the old school basketball versus new school basketball discussion, and I may have to give you this one. The FIBA World Championships are going on, and the U.S. lost to France mm-hmm. in the quarterfinals, 89-79, to mm-hmm. 79, guaranteeing mm-hmm. their lowest finish in U.S. history at a major mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. Probably your favorite basketball team growing up, I'm guessing, was the great dream team of the 92 Olympics. And here's the roster for that team. Magic. Yeah. Charles Barkley. No, both pretty good. Chris Mullen. Uh, him too. John Stockton. Yeah. Carl Malone. Yeah. Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Little guy named Michael Jordan. Yeah, he was all right. His sidekick, Scotty Pippen. Yeah, he was okay. Larry Bird. Greatest. Big man, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Big man, David Robinson. Uh, pretty good. We can gloss over Christian Leitner, the only weak link on the team. The roster for this year's team for the FIBA World Championships for the uh-huh. U.S. Go. Someone called Derek White. Sure. Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Joe Harris, who's like at best a fourth option on an NBA team, let alone a U.S. team. Marcus Smart. Harrison Barnes, who got the mm. most overpaid, outrageous, inflated contract ever when he went to Dallas. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, who only played two games. That's probably the best player on the team, but he only played two games because he tweaked his ankle. Mason Plumley, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, who's like 50 years old, Chris Middleton, and Kemba Walker. Is this part of the millennial syndrome you keep talking about with basketball in which everyone wants to rest? Guys only care about themselves, not their team, not their country. What are your takes on why this happened and why the roster looks like that for a major it, championship? And, and this and this has happened since they've gone to the pros. Before, right, they always did the amateurs, never let the pros, and then you know it was college kids and couldn't get it going. And finally, the dream team came around, right, and they just beat beat everybody by like seventy. So, but what had happened for a while there? All the great players were playing. And then you go through a lull where all the great players are like, well, I've just gone through the playoffs. It's not really paying me a lot. You know, all the other things they whine and complain about. And then eventually we, the U.S. gets beat. I can say we, right? We get beat. The U.S. gets beat. And then eventually all the stars want to come back out because everyone starts talking trash about the U.S. basketball is really garbage and they don't know how to play. So eventually this will spurn. This will be a good thing. And it will spurn and all the good players will come back or great players, I guess they had good-ish players. All the great players will come back, and it will be there. So I am uh, not – I think if you are asked to represent your country, I think you should do it. 
that's just me of course you're asking a guy that served in the military so maybe it's slanted my way i'll give you that um you know but I, those guys are thinking about other things they're thinking about i just signed a 80 million dollar deal maybe it's contingent on i got to make sure i actually play the first year i mean there's a lot of things going on in their lives uh that i'm sure they factored into it but i i this this isn't this is the one time i'll give you it's not really the millennial because they've battled this before it took coach k coming back to coach and convincing colby and all those other guys to come back and play for team usa so it probably just is probably good for us basketball they've lost they've gone through this and they try to get a coach that can just call these guys personally and go look what call your pop? buddies let's go what about pop pop was the coach for this wasn't he i mean pop's like one of the greatest coaches of all time hey, he is do, do you know many people who enjoy pop I don't know pop personally. I, I don't either. Bites. I mean, I know his sound bites are yeah, good. sound bites are there. But you know, Coach K kind of made it. He didn't go in there and try to coach them per se. I'm sure he ran plays, but he didn't try to coach the players. You think I, pops a little up? I, I, I think if you ask Bill Belichick bit. to coach the uh, all world football team, U.S. versus all world football team, a lot of guys may pass on that too. We're on to Austria. So, We're on to Germany. You know, that's exactly right. We're that's on right. to England. We're on to the next championships. Third down. Third down. Jonathan Villar hit the major's 6,106th home run Wednesday, a new Major League Baseball record. Minnesota and the Yankees have already beaten the team's single-season record for home runs in the regular season and are battling it out for the all-time record, still with three weeks to play. And through Wednesday, 661 more home runs had been hit this year than any other year up until that point. Baseball, do you care? Juiced. It's juiced. It's juiced. It's Outside garbage. of baseball, it's garbage. do you care? The actual question is, are all the home runs good or bad for baseball? Uh, I think baseball thinks it's good for baseball. I think it's bad for baseball. Because it's too easy? I, I, I just think if your whole deal was they're hitting all these home runs because of steroids and then they weren't hitting a lot of home runs, is oh, man, we manufacture the balls. I don't know what's going on. Oh, they're jumping out. So people that were taking – literally banned drugs that you can't get and should be in prison for you hit all the home runs oh that's bad but hey maybe our ratings may be down so let's go ahead and let people hit a billion home runs they don't need to take drugs so really what you should have did 20 years ago say hey guys stop taking drugs stop taking the steroids stop doing all the legal stuff we will just make the ball easier for you to hit out of the ballpark that's what they should have done they probably should have gotten out in front of that longer than that ago really right i mean when they yeah. heard it rumbling it's just like okay we'll do something to the ball everybody quit doing drugs yeah i mean it could did it probably in the mid, started probably somewhere in the mid 90s when was the last time you watched a baseball game the whole way through the whole way through it's been a while for me oof all it's nine innings all nine innings it would have been last year's playoff game that's still probably more recent than myself yeah. well very well very well done fourth down fourth down jason witten says it would have been tough for him to go back to the broadcast booth and not come back to the NFL, even if he was good at broadcasting, do you buy it? Do I buy that? Uh, no. No, I do not. Certainly a lot easier to get out of the booth when you're so bad at it. I, it's certainly easier. Not that we're Monday Night Football quality, obviously. Oh, uh, Speaking from a layman's point yeah, of view, I think, pros versus Jason. You know, I've been doing this a while, and I think if somebody came to me and said, by the way, you, we're just, you know, we're throwing you in the Monday Night booth. I mean, I've been doing it for a while. I would probably not be very good at it. Right. Oh, I, I think I can. Self-aware of what my limitations are, I would not be very good at speaking to the whole country, doing all the other stuff. I think there, there are talented guys that know how to do that. That is not my strength. Not Jason Wittens either. I, I wouldn't be there. And then throwing a guy that – and honestly, personality-wise, I don't know that 
that was a good fit to start with from Witt. And I think smarts, all the other things he's got going for him, but person, you have to have a certain sort of flarity, right? That's what made Gruden work. That's what made John Madden for all those years. Like, there's a certain flair to it that I think maybe just, just not there. Here's my question. Why, when Jason Witten was out of the Monday night booth and he was having the troubles that he was and being made fun of all over Twitter and everything. He didn't just reach out in a DM and say, I got a perfectly good color job for you. Come be right next to me at ETSU Bucks games. You're a local guy. You could be home 15 minutes from where you grew up. I know he didn't play at ETSU, but I mean, you and Jason Witten, that'd be pretty sweet. No offense, Matt Wilson. Yeah. Or Alan no, Levine. No, I think, I think that would be, <laughs> I think that would be good. I, I'm just guessing he's probably going to live his life out there in Dallas, Fort Worth, where his kids were born and grown up. That's my guess. So you're saying he's not coming back? He's I, you I, in the booth. I think it's tough to. He can walk anywhere in Dallas and probably not buy a meal ever, even though he has more money than he knows what to do with. He probably didn't have to buy a meal or a beer or whatever he drinks at any at any point in time. So you're saying you did not reach out? I, I did not. That's just I did lazy. Not. That's just okay. lazy. Is what right. that is. Three catches, 15 yards, and a touchdown in his return. So I guess you can't be too mad about him going back to the and football I mean, field, even though I was for a while. He still didn't make chump change on going back to the field. No, probably more than ETS he was going to pay for a radio broadcasting game analyst, I would I, think. I, no? Am I wrong? I, I, well, I, Your I, guess. You know. You don't have to guess. No, I was going to say I guess that his contract may be our whole entire athletic budget. Ah, ah I see. I so see. our whole entire athletic Little budget may be his contract. So that's, I, that's what I'm saying. Very unfortunate. I mean, you don't like Randy Sanders, apparently. So. I do love and Randy Steve Sanders. Forbes, you're ready to get rid of him for Jason Witten in the broadcast booth. You don't think Jason Witten would take like 75 bucks a game? He doesn't need the money. It's mm-hmm. about the game, the love of it. He does like to give back to the kids. See? There you go. Okay. All right, that was uh, four downs. Now, now can we have Austin Herring? Can we have Austin? I don't know. Are you, you going to tease bold predictions or Austin? Well, I would like to tease bold predictions. You'll <laughs> yell at me again and then say it's Austin. But I think Austin's coming up after this. Bold predictions after that. After this word from Santos and the sidekick on the bucket air. Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Cake. Beer. Cake. Beer. Quality. 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 Soon to be. Continental MVP. Cake. Cake. A slice of cake. Cake. Beer. Beer. Um, yeah. And Austin Eric is back as he is every Friday with us here on Santos and the Sidekick. I am Mike Gallagher. Thank you for stopping by. People that are listening, thank you, Austin, for stopping by, even though you probably knew you were walking into a little bit of a lion's den this week with a DK Metcalf and Rocky conversation last week. No doubt. I, I've got some heat from that, from some of the guys. So, Well, let me, uh, let me tell you why the heat has come your way. I did a little bit of research earlier today on this just to make sure I wasn't crazy. Now, I haven't seen any of the Rockies, so maybe I'm just misinformed, right? As really, I was in that conversation. Like, I, I don't have any business in a conversation talking about Rocky, but if you bring up the topic and it's rolling pretty well, I'm going to try and keep up. But the internet agrees with me. Variety.com had Rocky four ranked in the middle of the pack, so that's okay. Middle of the pack, you know, it's subject to some opinion. Collider.com had it seventh of eight of the Rocky movies, with only Rocky five worse 
And those two websites are okay, you know, kind of sketchy, whatever. I've never heard of them. Variety, maybe a have, but it's probably not the expert source on movies. IMDb, maybe okay. the expert source on movies. And here's the list. Rocky 1, number 1. I don't think anyone Fair. would disagree with yeah. that. Rocky 2, number 2. Rocky Balboa, that's number a good 3. One. Okay, you like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Creed. Good. Creed yeah. 2. That was another good one. Then Rocky 4, then Rocky 3, then Rocky 5. I think that's similar to what like I just personally like Rocky Four. Right. Okay, so that was my favorite. Yes. Which I think is fine. But I All did right. I did declare Rocky Five the worst Rocky. But you also declared Rocky Four the best Rocky. In my opinion. In your opinion. There, there, see, cinematically, not great you know. True, you did I, say I, it was very corny. Yeah, it's corny. You admitted that. But there are some cool training montages that, <laughs> that can get you fired up sure. when need be. Sure. And then I, I like politics a little bit. So you got Same. the the U.S. Russian deal of the the eighties, the Cold War. So that's why I liked it. Um, I could definitely I get the rankings, but I did kind of I I got you on. I don't think it's the worst. That's true. That's true. Rocky Five and Jay Sandoz on Friday of last week's show when I prefaced our conversation, he was like, "I'm pretty sure everybody hates Rocky Five. Yeah, so you were. I don't think anyone like because it just they could have went multiple ways with it. Yeah, but it's just like you know why did they go that way? Right. So, so I'm with some of those. Um, obviously, as previously stated, I'm all in on Rocky Four. Okay, fair enough. We'll each take a half point from that okay. argument. DK Metcalf, four catches, 89 yards, and is now on pace for a 1400 yard season. And I'll give you some <laughs> reviews. I'll give you some reviews here. Field Gulls, which is a Seahawks popular blog. DK Metcalf shines versus Bengals. The Seattle Times, popular newspaper out there. DK Metcalf living up to the hype. Samuel Gold, the the Athletic Seattle's film analyst. Another slant route catch for Seahawks. DK Metcalf, watch the route. Hard jab and vertical burst to gain inside leverage. Smooth jab, first down. And finally, and this seems like it was almost directed specifically at you from the Draft Network LLC. I am surprised that DK Metcalf could make this reception considering what his three-cone time was. Now, you said shuttle last week, but clearly there is a strong, strong cloud of sarcasm over that. It got like 4,000 likes, and he in the comment was just like, what does three-cone drill or shuttle have to do with being a good wide receiver if you can go over the top? Okay. Just some opinions thrown okay. out there by the internet once again. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll have my rebuttal here. I think <laughs> I think we should definitely go fit him for his gold jacket size. <laughs> Um, you know, after one week, he's on pace for a, just a buku of yards. Monster of course, year. you know you you can go ahead and throw that out there. You know, you score a, a two point <laughs> basket uh, in the first three seconds of the game. Gonna you're on pace 200. for like 360 yeah. points That's or something. Right. That's right. So okay, yeah, we we can pull out those stats. Also, you know, what does the three cone have to do with playing football? I would just ask that to all the NFL scouts out there. You know that. That go to the NFL scouting. This comes combine, from so. NFL Draft Network LLC. I'm just saying they have Li- draft in their name. Yeah, that's because they're a limited liability. They, <laughs> they don't want to go out there and take a full risk. Can't respect that around here. That no, is a phenomenal rebuttal. <laughs> phenomenal rebuttal. Uh, I'm still going to take a half point from that because he's on pace for a 14 yeah, you, you, you take that this week. I'll, I'll play the long game here. How did uh, how did your fantasy team do this week? We got beat. But you know what? Uh, we put up a valiant effort. Did we you? Got, we got beat by 30 points, uh-huh. but, I mean, we put up 143 points. Wow. So I'll take that. PPR? 
Um, I'm not sure what all that means. Oh, okay, sure. Um, okay. This is my second year, but okay. I, I do know. 143 that is a lot. 143 points. That's a lot. Yeah. Who did the winner have? Uh, it was uh, Coach Llewellyn, uh-huh. our outside linebackers coach. Uh-huh. Um, and you have like Christian have? McCaffrey or like Mahomes or Wentz or Deshaun Jackson would be one that killed a lot of people this week. No, um, I, I think he was on someone's bench. Deshaun Ooh, Jackson yeah. was. Did he have Lamar Jackson? That would be another big one. No, he was on a bench too. Oh, man. Um, Who is in this league? This. My gosh. Um, oh, yeah. We some bad players here. Um, <laughs> all right. He had Dak Prescott. Who had oh, a good week. Big. He had yeah. Le'Veon Bell, Josh Jacobs, mm. um, Julian Edelman, Evan Ingram, T.Y. Hilton. Huh. Um, yeah, just that. So some. who did you get? Who do I have? Yeah. Okay, let me. Because we talked about this off air, I think it was last Friday after the show. Yeah, so my quarterback's Drew Brees, which okay. I, I love that. Yeah. He's, he's just consistent. Yep. Um, David Johnson at running back. Okay. Uh, Devontae Freeman, he didn't do much for me. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Kenny Galladay, yeah. Zach Ertz. Uh, Ertz was just kind of so-so, and I've got Ertz in a bunch of leagues, too. I was disappointed. Yeah, Allen Robinson. I've got the Denver defense and then the Kansas City kicker. Okay, so I won in all five of my leagues, and you're 0-1. So I'm taking the point there. That's not good. There you go. Yeah, okay. you can take that. <laughs> I'll, I'll continue to play the long game in all of this. <laughs> if you end up 14-1, and I end up 1-14 in all my leagues. I'm going to listen back to this and be like, why'd you get so cocky? What was I doing? Why did I not <laughs> listen to Austin? Uh, a couple of comments from Coach Sanders postgame. I thought he threw a few nice balls there. I don't know. Um, I'm just looking at the stat sheet in three of five. I thought he made a couple of nice throws. I thought um, – there were a couple of other opportunities out there to make a few throws that uh, I, I want him to make. I expect him to make. Cam Lewis. You know, but there's no doubt that his ability to run the ball and his athleticism brings a new dimension to it as well. And, you know, we saw that when we ran the uh, zone read and he pulled it down and, you know, had to run there in the third quarter, I guess. It was good to see. It, 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 I hadn't seen a quarterback run that fast on this field. Didn't remind you of Austin Herring, did it? <laughs> Why would he do that and just slip it in right at the end? I mean, it was a perfectly fine soundbite about Cam Lewis, and they just had to stick you with a little jab late. You know, uh, what, what's the the imitation is the... Uh, Sincerest former player. Yeah, exactly. And he's not imitating me, but he, he likes to drop me in there, so I appreciate that. You know, keeping keeping my career you know in the forefront of people's minds <laughs> I, I appreciate that my less than stellar career he's so. a great PR guy is that yeah, what he you is? know I I wasn't a good runner by any means but I was effective I, thought, I will say that see I, everyone says and now okay were you maybe the fastest no firstly you did run a four six five at some camp in high school and were Downhill labeled a dual the, threat when aided doesn't <laughs> matter I don't care if it was down a ski slope that's a four six five and secondly you've made a lot of big runs your senior year yeah, I, the thing is, I'm definitely not a dual threat, but I, I was more effective probably on my feet my senior year, which is kind of sad to say, but yeah, I <laughs> guess You made so. plays. Yeah. With I, your feet. I, that yeah. makes you a good runner, I think. No one else has agreed with me, though. I think, well, I, I'm not totally agreeing with you, but I think it may be that my whole life up until really high school, I was a running back, and then I got slow. So mm. I think I could – see the field pretty good when I was running. I just didn't have the ability to maybe get there sometimes. How does one get slow? Puberty coming? I guess puberty hit me pretty hard and then, uh, you know, I I gained a lot of weight because I wanted to be big for football. Absolutely. Um, So my freshman year I actually, like, returned kicks. Um, And so I was one of the faster guys at my age and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I put on, like, 50 pounds for football. 
um, which was probably not the smartest move, and I never athletically recovered from that. All right, so Randy gives you some gruff, but there is good news. Justin did a great job for me tonight coaching, by the way. I, I'm sure you guys see him. He's up here in the box, and he's going to be a really good young football coach, and I'm glad he's decided to follow that per, that path. In the world of quality quality control, <laughs> you don't often get a lot of outward praise, I'd imagine. It's it's a uh, not glorious kind of between-the-lines, behind-the-scenes thing. So you don't often get praise in the public eye. But it's got to feel good to hear coming from Coach Sanders, who is a very accomplished coach at a very high level. No doubt. Um, I didn't. I saw that the previous comment because it got tweeted to me, and I didn't really know what to do. I didn't. Oh know yeah, that favorite. was me that tweeted it to you. Yeah. I run that account, so that was me. Don't yeah, worry. I didn't know whether to favorite it to respond. You did nothing instead, which was y- sad. Yeah, I- I'll make sure since I know you're running. I'll give Appreciate you a favorite. It. Appreciate but, it. But no, that that does feel good because that's the thing about Coach. He he's very honest, and so when you do get a compliment, you know he really means it. And um, you know who better for me to learn from than him. My uh, last bone to pick with you, true or false, because you were doing so well at coaching on Saturday, Randy let you call a couple plays, and one of them was when Trey Mitchell was 14 for 14, you had him throw a deep one knowing there's a chance it would get intercepted just so you could preserve your 15 for 15 to start a game record. True or false? That is false, but I I will admit totally to knowing that that record was on the line. (laughs) Um I actually was sitting up there um, with the other quality control coach for defense, uh, Cole Cole Brown, and um, I actually wrote it down on paper because I'm on the headset, (laughs) I can't say it, so I wrote it down. I was like, I think I had 16, I guess it was 15 15. is what I had against Limestone, and, um, you know, that play gets called, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to tie it at least. Were your fingers crossed under the table? No, I, I want a Trey to do well. I, like I said last week, I, I love Trey. Trey is fun to be around. He's a heck of a player, as you can see. And so, it, I mean, those records will all get broke. The small ones that I do have will get broken soon. I wasn't a prolific passer by any means. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it, it, they'll come down at some point. I, I'm, you know, I, I just thought it was kind of ironic it was his first start. I think sabotage. Uh, you're not going to let me come off that. I don't know. I think it was all yeah. orchestrated by you in the booth. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> uh, not, I'm not taking that one. Your feelings about the cannon. The is, cannon. Is it as loud over there as it is over here? The cannon when they light it for a right. score? I could hear it from the studio. or in studio at the Mini Dome, and that's got to be a good. What do you think? I mean, you made the walk for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, 500, 600 yards? Yeah, I mean, a third it, it's, of a mile? it's slightly. No, I, I would say it's slightly over half a mile. Wow, really? Yeah. So we're talking a significant distance. Where da- no, actually, t- I take that back. Over there and back is slightly over half a mile. So about a quarter so of a mile. About a quarter of a mile. Still yeah. quite the distance. Yeah. Uh, do you wish this would have been a tradition when you were here, or are you okay without the massive kaboom explosion right in your ear? Um, so I, I'm not a good judge of that because I was in the box. I didn't really get the full outdoor feeling. Well, of it. I was a but quarter of a mile away, and I still was able to hear it. I, mean, I, 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 I heard loud. it. I yeah. will say this. As an opponent, when we played VMI and the Citadel – uh, there's actually a team in Europe who had a cannon. Oh, really? Um, I hated that. That was so annoying. When they scored, it was kind of like, oh, you got to blow off a cannon too, you know? <laughs> so maybe that will irritate the opponents. Um, hopefully the fans like it. Um, I was looking for a competitive advantage. Why not? Right, yeah. yeah. So um, I think that could be a good thing. I saw the pirate flags up there. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That was a new little look for the. I think we got to embrace the Buccaneer thing. I don't think we do enough to embrace it, which is why we've got 
you know, I mean, uh, here at Santa's and the Sidekick, we like to embrace it. We've got the, you know, pirate bumper. That's mm-hmm. very piratey. You know, I, I came up with the defend the ship, you know, before yeah. the season started as, as kind of a mantra for this season. But, you know, and, and, and when I brought it to a couple of people, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, like championship. And then I'm like, yeah. yeah, and like the ship, like our stadium, our home, like, it's get the. It's multi-layered here, and people are just scratching their heads. I don't. I think it's because we haven't embraced the Buccaneers. Right. I mean, we are landlocked, so it well, is a little a puzzling point, that we are the Buccaneers with pirate ships. Fair. There's some. But lakes. we're the we're the we're the Buccaneers of you know Lake Watauga. <laughs> can, you know, can Buccaneers <laughs> be a thing on a lake? I think yeah, they can. I maybe they so. Can. No, but I, I I agree. We need to embrace it. Um, you know, put the put the ship out there in the stadium like the real Buccaneers. You I, know? Tampa we, Bay. I think you and me need to take a road trip to Tampa Bay and, and drag that ship that they have back here. No doubt. I, I think we could really do some things with that. Some about highways and just bad ideas. Rand, you wanted to walk down the highway naked if we beat Tennessee. You and me are going to drag a pirate ship 800 miles from. I Tampa feel like Bay. both things are totally illegal, but more people would support us fully clothed <laughs> driving the the thing. Yeah, I think people want to see Randy, huh? I'm sure there's a few. Um, I, w- I wouldn't put myself in that category. Okay. I was going to say, you, you seem a little too behind it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Reese Udinsky and VMI. Let's do a couple quick ones here. We've broken the, down, the game down plenty, but I always like it in your opinion, specifically on opposing quarterbacks, guys that you played um, against in your college career and have watched tape on now. What Coach Sanders said to me in the Monday press conference was we saw them on cutups a lot last year so when you're preparing for the Sanfords and the teams later in the season you saw BMI a lot and he said that Reese Udinsky was just getting better and better and better and he's cut out the mistakes this year five touchdowns to no interceptions also seems like BMI's offense is getting pretty comfortable running the ball it's tough to tell with a FBS team week one and then I think they played Tusculum or Mars Hill Mars Hill, Mars Hill so mm-hmm. that was 63-21 so maybe they were just running the ball to salt the game away and you know Mars Hill wasn't going to put up too much of a fight there all that being said, what do you think of Reese Udinsky and VMI's offense this year? What do you think of Reese Udinsky as a quarterback, being a quarterback yourself, and the threat that that side of the ball poses to the Bucks this week? Yeah, I think Coach is 100% right with what he said about Reese. He, you could see him each week get better. And I, to me, that, that says that he actually really cares about what's going on. He's trying to improve because it's tough to do that through the course of a season because you get banged up. The routine gets monotonous. You get tired. And for him to continue to improve each week, um, hats off to him. Um, That's a mark of a good player in my mind. Also, their offense um, is very quarterback friendly. He's going to put up numbers. They're going to put up points. Um, You know, that style of offense, much like Samford, um, just finds a way to exploit the defense. Um, So that presents a lot of challenges as well. That means offensively we have to be ready to score some points ourselves. So, um, Reese is a good player. Uh, this is one of, if not the best, VMI team I've seen on film mm-hmm. since I've been here. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we've got a go- good ball club, no doubt. But uh, we're going to have to come ready to play because this, is, uh, this isn't the same old VMI we've gotten used to the past few seasons. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the game last year. One of my favorite memories early on of having you on and Santos and the sidekick on, uh, I think at that time what was – Gosh, was it Thursdays we had, John, or whatever? Maybe I it was think it was Friday. Friday. No, it was Friday. Yeah. But you had a game up at VMI, obviously, Friday. That mm-hmm. was, I think, the only Friday game the ETSU has played. I did the research on this, at least this millennium. Right. 
And you and me were talking maybe, I think it was three or four weeks later about something. I don't know how we got on the topic. It was probably route tree related where we came up with some ridiculous scenario and walked you through it and then you walked us through it and, you know, the old segment that we used to do. And you and me both completely forgot that the game had been played on a Friday. We, we at some point, were like, oh, yeah, you, know, you ever played a game on a Friday? And you're just like, I don't think I've ever played a game on a Friday. Has ETSU ever played a game on a Friday? And I was just like, I don't think ETSU's ever played a game on a Friday. And we had yeah. completely forgotten that three or four weeks earlier that game was played on a Friday. Um, give me a look behind the curtain, if you can, if you remember all the details leading up, because that game, I've looked at the stats – and I remember it so clearly and vividly. One of the stranger football games, topsy-turvy, upside-down. You got in for a little bit of time while Logan, I think it was a knee. He had hurt his knee, and then the next play comes back in and runs for a 19-yard touchdown, yeah. which I think might have been our only offensive touchdown of the day. It, it was just strange. Five interceptions, eight sacks, 13 penalties, special teams touchdown, and it was on a Friday because of a hurricane that fizzled out into a tropical storm. One of the weirder experiences from the outside looking at a football game. What was it like on the inside? Right, yeah. I think we found out on Tuesday that we're playing on Friday, so that messes up everyone's schedule and you know how we're practicing because usually Thursday's a pretty up-tempo practice. Sure. But, you know, we, we had to adjust that. Um, right. And so that whole thing changed instantly. Um, and so I'm sure that, that played into our preparation a little bit, but – it was weird. It, it just f- had a weird feel to it. For whatever reason, um, we haven't played well up at VMI since we've been back as a program, and um, it's a it's a tough place to play. I mean, they've got all the all the key debts there, cadets, whatever you want to call them, um, up there in the stands, and they've got the the cannon that's annoying, like I said. And so, um, you know, we, we haven't played good up there, and so um, it is a wacky place to play and it's a wacky game and um i can you know attest to watching film this week and being like man we've gotten so much better since then and you know to think about where we came even at the end of last year from that point is just kind of mind-boggling like how how was that the same football team um so yeah i'm with you it was a weird game what was the feeling going into that game and coming out of that game so i think much like we're in the situation now I don't think we really knew who we were as a team mm. like in terms of you know you play an FBS opponent who's really good and then you play uh, a division two opponent and it was kind of flip-flop last year but right. you don't really know where you stand in terms of co- the conference competition um, and so it, it was a, a weird feeling going into the game and then after the game I remember all of us thinking like man like this could be a long year. Like that—that that was not good. We can play a lot better than that, but um, you know we've got a long way to go if we want to get to the places where we need to go. And um, that was uh, that was an interesting time in this whole transition with with getting Coach Sanders and going from Coach Torbush, and um, it, it was it was much different um, at, on that bus ride home. I remember. And kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. You win that game by three in kind of a wacky fashion, and then you have some other wacky wins and six wins in conference by a combined sixteen points. Yeah, total tone setter. It was a, it was a weird year, but uh, I think it's one that a lot of people will remember for a long time. Three things I'm looking forward to this weekend: the Bucks getting a big win at William B. Green Jr. Stadium, a great performance from a quality control coach, and a 100-yard game from DK Metcalf. Thanks for coming on.
Thanks for having me. Austin Herrick, quality control coach, ETSU football. He will be back next Friday. Bucks tomorrow against the Keydad, 6 p.m. pregame on the Buccaneer Sports Network. 7.30 is kickoff. Back with bold predictions on the Buccaneer Sports Network. ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandoz live at Wild Wing Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tater tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM640. All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes to New England, you're crazy. The AAF is a juggernaut. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to let Josh Gordon back in? I mean, it's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. Bold predictions. Bold predictions. Pretty pumped. Nothing. What? Nothing. You did. Why do I, am I supposed to you did. feel bad and terrible and not you did. try and move forward to this week after you beat me last week? Is that what you're saying? No. No. no? I just, you know, I just, um, you know, you're in charge of bumpers. I charge thought, of bumpers. thought maybe you would notice the uh, addition, if you will. Addition. Addition. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes into England. No, wait, wait a <laughs> second. No, what? No, it's on the board. It's on the board. No, it counts. Wait, well, hold on. It's on the board. Hold it counts. On the board. I, okay. It's on the board. I, I it's on the board. Sure You're in charge of the board. It's to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this yeah, year. on the board. That was a great prediction. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes no, into England. No, 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 no. I, I'm calling foul play. I think you snuck in here late one night and I tried to write the story. I don't even know how to run this all of this happening. I don't, I don't want to have to. Post him getting out of Oakland and yeah. going to New England. I think that is foul play on your part. I, I, uh, it's, you it's, have keys to the building and the studio. It's on the board. And you know it's how to work this equipment. It's on the board. I just I just heard it. I was just making sure that I heard myself right because you've been saying I'm wrong. And clearly, from the bumper, you can hear I was right. So I need Let's you to adjust the back Let's be 100% clear on this. No cap. The original bumper said... He will be a model citizen when he gets to that. Oakland. I don't, uh, and you went back and added the fact that my, he was then going to go to New England. To my, to my knowledge, I'm unaware of any bumper. It's also still only half a bold prediction because he has done way too many bad things to talk about at this point. Uh, some of them alleged. And I think we actually should probably just get him off the bumper completely, uh, considering everything that is going on with him at the moment. Anyway, yeah. All right, bold, give the standings. Bold I'm prediction. I'm winning. Just, just give the standings. Week. Give the standings. You're one and one. Boom. I am, uh, oh and two. And we Boom. have three more bold predictions this week. Now, I do want to go back and just say, I never on Monday's show 
showed any hesitance about the Oakland pick. I was very confident in them making the playoffs on that, that was, show. There was, and they won that game, and they're one to know. And I'm still confident. It. I'm still confident. It's out there on SoundCloud and on iTunes. I don't if think anyone's listening to those. Feed, you can hear it on Monday. No and one listens very to those. Non-confident Oakland Raiders. I felt 100% in on Derek Carr, Tyrell Williams, and Josh Jacobs, and John Gruden. Knock on wood if you're with me, baby. Knock on wood if you're with me. Okay, anyway, let's move on. Bold predictions this week. You have a one bold prediction advantage, and I think you should start. Uh, So are we changing the rules now? Last last year (laughs) I was behind. Had to go. So now we're changing rules now. Now who's I think uh, ETSU will have four or less penalties against VMI. It was 13 penalties last year, seven penalties and 11 penalties this year. Coach Randy Sanders said, and I trust Randy Sanders when he says this, not much needed to be said on the penalties topic. He just doesn't expect it to happen again. Short, sweet, and very, I'm sure, firm and honest with these gentlemen in the locker room that if that happens again there will be repercussions i don't know if it would be uh wind sprints all day if it would be a lot of running extra weight i don't know what i don't know what it would be but i'm thinking that coach sanders probably gotten his point across and the bucks cleaned it up this week for our last penalties i mean it's bold i mean i'm gonna throw it i like to go out on a limb you do that was uh that was bold i I like it uh i could see etsu having four penalties on the first drive and i could that and I could see ETSU not having uh, a penalty in the first half at all. So I thought you bled blue and gold. Well, what I'll, happened to you? I mean, I've, I've watched so far. I mean, trends happen, Mike. Speaking of trends, I'm going to go with a trend that's going to continue. Jeremy Lewis, two career interceptions, both against VMI. He's going to keep the trend going and have his third career interception wow. against VMI. Calling your shot. So what if he has his fourth career that doesn't count then if he has two you're out of luck but if he has one you're right on the dot right well at that point he would have three and then a fourth yeah but he would have you don't three. get double points i'm just going to make sure to say that right, right no now. i'm okay. fine with that okay. but but he has he will have his third just want to make if sure he gets his, uh, you know fourth fifth and sixth i'm fine with that but uh, he will have it, uh, his third did i just hit him yeah yeah, yeah. It's every sorry, se- sorry. like five times a show it's unbelievable it's chattanooga okay. will keep it within two scores against the university of tennessee now, I'm not saying that they will pull the upset. I think that may be a bit brash and a bit quick to try and predict something like that when I believe it's a four-score line. But I think Chattanooga keeps it within two scores with Tennessee. Sanford did it last year against Florida State. Sanford ended up going 6-5. and five. I think Chattanooga is probably right now a 7-4, and 8-3 type team if they play 12 games. I haven't really looked at their schedule. Make it, you know. Uh, eight and four, nine and three, seven and five, whatever you'd like. Uh, it's also the in-state slash nearby FBS school thing, and you can look at a lot of tight games this year and see that there is a trend. Northern Iowa and Iowa State Week One, that was an overtime contest. South Dakota State and Minnesota Week One. James Madison and West Virginia. UC Davis and Cal. Illinois State and Northern Illinois. I think it's a thing in the NCAA tournament when an underdog goes against an in-state foe and tries to pull that upset. I think in non-conference non-division FBS versus FCS or say D2 versus FCS if you want to make it a little bit of a stretch. Guys are mad they didn't get scholarships to the University of Tennessee from Chattanooga. They wanted, they grew up wanting to play in Neyland. They wanted to rep the orange and white. They wanted to do all that. They're going to come out with a fire. They're going to keep it close and if you keep it close, you'll have a chance to win. I'm not saying they will win, but I'm saying that it will be close throughout the ballgame, two scores or less. That was a famous uh, JMU beat Virginia Tech a few years ago, and the famous quote uh, from the JMU coach was, uh, we went there with a lot of guys that they didn't want and left with a lot of guys they needed. 
That's a great quote. Unbelievable. That is a great quote. And I'm going to stick a little bit with that. So Central Arkansas, right? Big win, opening weekend, college football. So far, the lone FCS to beat an FBS. They beat Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. The Hilltoppers will be at uh, former App State's head coach, Scott Satterfield's new uh, – actually, it's at Western Kentucky, I stand corrected. But Louisville is traveling to Western Kentucky, and I'm going full circle. Western Kentucky, 10, 12-point underdogs, will win at home and upset the ACC's Louisville Cardinal and prove that Central Arkansas should be an ACC go. That's a lot. Does that not work that way? Digest right there. Okay, well, I'm going to go West, shorten it up for you. West Kentucky beats Louisville. That's bold. My final one, Arizona State, an outright winner Oh man! in East Lansing against Michigan State. ASU has beaten a couple of bad or, say, lower-level teams. Kent State, bad. Sacramento State, lower level from the big sky. But must I remind you, Jay Sandoz, of the way that Arizona State played last year in their first year under head coach Herm Edwards. Their five regular season losses, all by a touchdown or less. When you're in games, just like Chattanooga, eventually you're going to have a chance to win them near the end. And eventually, in Arizona State's chance, or in Arizona State's case, you're going to start getting some wins in close games. That's what I think happens this weekend. And don't forget, early on last year in Herm Edwards' first year, in Arizona State, a 16-13 win over Michigan State. Of course, that was a home game for ASU. They go on the road, repeat the feat, because Michigan State's terrible and fraudulent. I was going to go, uh, the. I had to circle on the calendar many, many moons ago. I was going to go the Dolphins over the Patriots, but clearly, wow, I'm not going to do that this week. Even I'm not uh, that bold, and we, we do like bold, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, sticking with college, Georgia Southern goes up to your hometown and defeats your Golden Gophers straight up. It's almost like you went out of your way to find that one because nobody cares about that game this weekend. Not even I care about that game. So you dug deep, remembered what I did to you last year with Michigan picking against them every single week, and you're out for a match. Is that right? Just be out. Yes. Okay, that's fair. I'm not holding it against you. I'm just saying. I just it want is to clarify before the show's over malicious. with the bumper is in play and it is correct. So there you go. The bumper is in play and it is correct. Yeah, the bumper you just ran earlier. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. yeah. All right, we're gonna recap the VMI game. We'll start Austin. Austin P. How do you say it? Austin P. Austin. Austin P. Austin P. We'll talk about that. We'll recap the Bucks and the Keydets Monday on the Bucket Air Sports Network. See ya.